This is a Federal News Network podcast. The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with Derek Dorch of the Diversa Group, which is entirely responsible for its content. Welcome to Fed Access with Derek T. Dorch on Federal News Network. Now your host, Derek T. Dorch. Welcome to Fed Access with Derek T. Dorch on Federal News Network. We're so glad that you're joining us. I uh, hope you guys have been enjoying the warm weather and also hope everybody's been getting their vaccination and starting to get back out into maybe society. We're going to be talking about some of these things today because the world has been turned upside down. We're doing teleworking right now. We're all remote, but uh, things may be changing. But we're going to talk about what's going on within DOD and how maybe the pandemic and how all this remote working has really kind of maybe shifted some people's thinkings kind of going forward, especially in the clear market. Got one of my favorite guests on today, Evan Lesser. He is the founder and director of clearancejobs.com. It's one of the top clear job sites where you can find clear positions, everything from confidential to secret to top secret, top secret SEI with a poly and everything else on there. If you're a job seeker who has one of these clearances, you need to be on their job site looking for uh, opportunities, whether it be government or government contract. And if you're a government employer, if you're a government agency or government contractor, is one of the top places to find clear talent that you may be looking for right now. Hey, Evan, how you been doing? Doing fine, Derek. Uh, good to talk with you again. Always, always, always. It's been a couple months. Hey, catch us up with what's been going on uh, with the clear market right now. I know, you know, we've all kind of gone into remote uh, mode and we've been working from home and everything else and teleworking. Um, it, you know, now that things are starting to open back up right now, is there going to be a shift to where all the different government contractors and government agencies are going to be bringing everybody back in? Or are we kind of in teleworking mode that's going to be here to stay? Or is it going to be more of a hybrid scenario going forward? What's going to be going on? Yeah, prob- probably more of a hybrid, I would say. Um, you know, Clearance Jobs put out an article uh, very recently focusing on the Air Force and their commitment to having its workers telework and, and some of the remote work opportunities. And I think within the DOD, the Air Force has kind of um, led the way on teleworking long before the pandemic. So for years, they've had you know policies and procedures and technology in place for teleworking, but never really had to put the system to the test. And then pandemic hits, and suddenly the Air Force is engaging in telework for its employees in a really wide scale, not just a test, but, you know, this is kind of their day to day. Um, Needless to say, it it went well. Productivity was high. Security was intact and and things worked out um, pretty well. So the Air Force noted that having telework opportunities is actually going to enhance their missions. You know, they're they're able to hire the best talent for the job and they don't necessarily have to be located in a particular spot. Now, this isn't for all jobs, naturally roles that require daily access to classified information can't be done from home, but a large number of jobs at the Air Force can have some telework hours. So the Air Force has kind of led the charge for the DOD. And, um, you know, if if one thing for all the negativity out of the pandemic, the positive thing is it kind of uh, opened the DOD's eyes that this kind of stuff, a lot of the work can be done from home. You know, you mentioned about the dynamic of kind of the cleared stuff, right, in terms of accessing uh, clear materials. Is, is there um, any kind of movement right now going on in DOD to probably try to create a scenario, a, a kind of a clear cloud or a clear scenario where there's some people who are teleworking can maybe access classified materials either from home, if they maybe set up a skip at home or 
have a secure network at home or a VPN. Are there movements right now to begin kind of shifting in that dynamic going forward, Evan? Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, the government has talked about, um, uh, you know, a home-based gift uh, for, for a long time, but they've really never jumped on it because they didn't have to. And then all of a sudden the, pan the pandemic comes and now they've, you know, it, it's come to the forefront. Um, and unfortunately, this, you know, pandemic is not going to be our, our last. So this stuff's going to happen again. But I think what's more interesting is that the reality now is that any organization that wants to hire the best talent is going to have to support some level of teleworking, even in the cleared space. You know, Clearance Jobs ran a recent employer survey. We had a little over, I think it was about 320 security cleared companies respond. And when asked what the number one benefit that cleared workers today were interested in was, they cited teleworking and followed by flexible working hours. So it seems that the pandemic has really truly changed people's expectations for how and where and when they want to work. And the government has to come up with the uh, secure technology to let people do um, uh, sensitive work from home. You know, I, 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 going with your survey dynamic and, and kind of looking around a number of the different employers, I know that many of your uh, top social media firms, your top technology firms have been kind of looking at the same dynamic where some of them have said, listen, we're going to go full remote. And then I know even Google had a little bit of stir up where they tried to bring people back and they were like, and the, and employee, and the employees were like, no, <laughs> we, uh, we, we want to still have telework as part of an option. And Google had to reverse their engines on that dynamic. Um, I know there's always kind of been a dynamic of, of discussion of benefits. And as you kind of mentioned, telework is really something that is being pushed more and more uh, kind of going forward. Is, is the incentive right now going to be part of uh, pay packages and everything else? Are you going to see employees or potential employees kind of putting that first as their uh, negotiation package to say, listen, I want to have this many days of telework along with a bonus, along with A, B, C, and D kind of going forward? Is that going to be one of the top areas of negotiation going forward? And do you think it's going to be here to stay? Or do you think that this is a moment for the time being that we're going to see changing going forward? Yeah, absolutely. And I have some hard numbers for you. It, you know, it used to be that telework was a, a nice to have. Now it's a must have. So the employer survey that we recently ran on, on clearance jobs, it asked companies about their hiring metrics and conversations with employees and applicants and, and other general issues. And a few interesting things pop out of the survey, specifically around telework. And first, um, uh, in terms of like the, the number of employers that, you know, noted that they currently have telework opportunities, 67% of security cleared employers we surveyed said that they currently have teleworking options. You know, pre-pandemic, that number was in the, you know, low single digits. Um, a couple of other interesting stats that came out. It's really amazing the, the shift to teleworking and, and how quickly it happened. You know, 82% of employers are going to continue teleworking opportunities even after the pandemic is over. And I say employers, but I should um, note that this is specifically for security cleared, defense mm -hmm. industry, homeland security um, employers. A couple of other little interesting tidbits. Um, so first, more than 60% of employers noted it's taking them upwards of 60 days to make a security cleared hire. About 14% said it takes them up to 80 days to hire, and 13% noted it takes them well over 80 days to hire, some in the 100-plus days. 
Now, that's not too surprising as security cleared workers are still in, um, in demand. But with time to hire being generally long, 61% of recruiters are only able to fill less than five requisitions per month. And some make no hires per month. So it's a really tough and tight market. And, and I mentioned those numbers to you because teleworking now is, you know, again, it's not a nice to have, it's a must have. And even security cleared workers are demanding it. Um, so it, it's here to stay, to, to answer your question. And companies are going to have to get really uh, creative on how they can split up their work between classified, you must be in the office, versus unclassified, less sensitive, and you could probably do that work from home. You know, Evan, uh, I know there has always been some managers who have been very, very hesitant for the teleworking, right? There's always been some managers who felt, I need to see you in the office to see you're doing work. Um, How has productivity been impacted? Have people found that productivity stayed the same? Uh, Did it it increase while people were teleworking? Uh, Did it decrease? You know, when you're talking to employers, what are you hearing? Did you hear that, hey, you know, we saw an uptick in people's productivity uh, in terms of what they were doing and how they were handling situations more than what we saw when they were in the office? I mean, what are we kind of seeing in terms of the trends with that? So I'm not entirely sure from a security cleared angle, but I do know um, across um, uh, multiple sectors of the U.S. workforce that um, you know, teleworking during the pandemic has actually been a, a boon for productivity. Um, across the board, survey after survey, um, employers have noted that teleworkers were more productive. And it, it, it definitely was a kind of a shock to a lot of companies that assumed that if you weren't in the office, you were not working. But uh, considering the pandemic and the fact that everyone was required to work from home, you know, work got done. And um, again, that recent Air Force article that we wrote for clearance jobs, you know, productivity was one of the main concerns at the get-go, and that quickly kind of fell to the wayside. Um, other other concerns and, and things popped up, but um, productivity uh, was not one of them. It, it turns out, um, surprisingly, that you know people work from home, don't have to commute, don't necessarily have to shave and wear a suit every day. That you know, they're, they're actually pretty productive. Um, well, you know, especially, especially in them urban centers, right? If you're if you're in a DC or a LA or wherever the case is, and you you don't have to spend two, three hours in traffic, um, I would assume, Evan, that your productivity could go up because you're not kind of burnt out by the time you get to the office after after that crazy commute, that, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, and there was actually um, a fairly recent uh, report on, on the Federal News Network that said. Um, from the uh, from the DOD specifically, they they ran a survey and you know they found that uh, people had a whole lot of extra time because you know they don't have to commute um, mm-hmm. and they were finding that people were doing you know little bits of work um, here and there at times that they probably would be commuting or uh, riding a you know riding a subway or sitting in traffic or, or whatever. So yeah, pro- productivity has uh, increased um, a fair amount. I think one of the other questions that has come about is not necessarily how productive are workers um, working from home, but it's more about all uh, hours um, and, and flex hours and, and working times. So when we did our survey of security cleared employers, the number two main request from security cleared professionals after telework was flexible hours. And 
Um, that's been another uh, a key thing that's kind of popped up out of the pandemic. So it's not just enough to say, okay, from nine to five, you're going to be working from home. Right. Yeah. Uh, but the other thing is that you need to be able to mix up the hours, um, especially if people have uh, kids that are now doing school from home, either part-time mm-hmm. or full-time or spouses that are working from home. You know, it, it's, it's an, it's a new world for sure. Without question, without question. Hey, I want to touch on the survey in a few minutes. We got to take a quick break. We're talking to Evan Lesser. He's the founder and director of clearancejobs.com. It's one of the top pair sites that are out there. Again, if you have a security clearance, everything from a confidential to a top secret, top secret SEI with a poly, then it's a site that you should be on to find government opportunities, whether it be government agencies or government contractors. And if you're a government employer or a government contractor who's looking for top talent, clearancejobs.com is one of the best places to find this, uh, uh, these top talent people right here on that site right there. Got some great information, some great resources, great articles, and everything else. We're going to be talking a little bit more about the employer survey clearancejobs.com just did when we come back after this break. You listen to Fed Access with Derek T. Dortch on the Federal News Network. We'll be right back after this break. Welcome back to Fed Access with Derek T. George on Federal News Network. If you just joined us, we have been talking about what's going on with the cleared jobs market. One of our uh, regular uh, uh, shows where we kind of catch up about what's happening uh, with, with anyone who has a clearance and anyone who's hiring uh, for those people with clearances and everything else, DOD, DHS, uh, all the government contractors, this, that, and the other. We're talking about today what's going on post-pandemic, or I should kind of say what's happening as the world is opening up, because we probably will be dealing with the pandemic for some time, but what's happening as the world is opening back up and people are getting vaccinated and everything else kind of going forward. We're talking to Evan Lester. He's the founder and director of clearancejobs.com, one of our favorite guests, and we're getting an update about what's going on. Evan, quick question. Um, With vaccinations, are many of the kind of the government or government contractors under the Biden administration are they requiring vaccinations for the workforce or what are you hearing? I know there have been a little bit of a concern because some people in the military said, I don't want to get vaccinated, this, that, and the other. Are vaccinations being required for those in government and government contractors or what are you hearing? So most of the um, contracting firms that we've talked to from very large, you know, Fortune 500 uh, defense industry behemoths down to um, small and mid-sized companies almost everyone seems to be requiring um, vaccinations. And I don't know if that's a, you know, a federal mandate as a federal contractor, you need to do this, or if this is simply a, um, a, a business decision from, from these corporations. But um, it seems like most of the companies that we've talked to are requiring vaccinations for people to get back in the office. Now, again, getting into the telework um, and, and remote work options, may have some people who, for whatever reason, can't or don't want to get a vaccination um, trying to work from home. But it seems like most of the companies in the defense industry we've talked to um, are requiring vaccinations. Sounds good. Sounds good. Hey, talk to us about this employer survey. I mean, I know you kind of cover a lot of different ground in terms of kind of getting trends and insights about what's going on. What other, I know we kind of talked about the teleworking what other areas did you kind of cover in the employer survey and what kind of interesting insights did you find out that, that we're seeing from a number of employers who responded? Yeah, so we hit on um, a number of different subjects and I'll, I'll cover just a few of them. And again, these are all employers that um, need security cleared professionals. So it's definitely a niche group. 
so just a couple of things that popped out. You know, one of the questions we asked uh, was uh, how many security cleared candidates does that employer need in a funnel to make a hire? And it was a little surprising that 60% of the roughly 320 employers that we talked to said that they only need uh, between, you know, one and 10 candidates in a funnel to make a hire. And that number was surprising because uh, the assumption was that they would need to have more people, they would need to um, scrutinize um, candidates for their skills and, and how they fit into workplace more. But as it turns out, the security cleared industry is so tight, there are so few candidates to go around that employers are less picky uh, than they were in the past. So 60% of employers said they just need you know, up to 10 candidates to make a hire. And then 22% said they need somewhere between 11 and 20 candidates in a funnel to make a hire. So um, indication to us is that they're not being very uh, picky or, or choosy. Another bit of um, information. So, 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 it, 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 so it, it would be more that if a person has the right clearance, then oftentimes that person uh, uh, may be able to uh, not be under the same level of scrutiny, and especially in this kind of job market right now where things are so tight. Is that what we're kind of seeing right there, Evan? Yeah, yeah, you're, you're, you're correct. Is that, um, you know, employers are much more willing right now to accept someone with most of the right skills, but they have the right clearance um, and get them on the job and potentially get them trained rather than someone mm -hmm. who has all the right skills and doesn't have the right clearance, knowing that it could take um, some time to, to get them the right clearance. So yeah, employers right, are definitely right. less, uh, less picky. You know, another thing that we um, uh, learned about in terms of the survey is uh, what are the main reasons why security cleared employees are leaving uh, a company? And the employers that we talked to, it was kind of a wide range of, uh, of options and they're all relatively equal. But the number one thing that came out was higher salary. About 21% of employers said that higher salary was the main reason why people were leaving their company. And then everything else was around um, 10 to 15%. And that includes more flexibility or promotion or career change or better benefits. But higher salary really jumped out. And, and it was not surprising to see that because with so few security cleared candidates to go out and so many government contracts out there that require cleared people, the easiest way to poach someone from one company to another is simply to say, listen, you know, we'll give you more salary. And it's the easiest thing to do. It's the most common thing that happens. And, um, you know, a good 21% of employers have noted that that's the primary reason that people are leaving their company. You know, um, I'd be curious, couple, Evan, and, but before you jump into a couple other sure. other areas, um, the survey that you that you took are these uh, a combination of the big boys? When I kind of say the big boys, kind of your top uh, government contractors like the Boozes and things like that, all the way down to some of your uh, small businesses to mid-sized businesses. Is is it a range of responses that you're getting across the board from the government contractors who are responding? It's a, yeah, it's, it's a range of employers, but I would say that the bulk of them are what we consider kind of medium-sized security-cleared employers. They have, you know, somewhere around 200 to, to 400 employees, okay. um, you know, pretty good size. They have an, uh, more than, you know, one contract with um, a government agency, um, and, and, you know, they're doing a fair amount of work. So these are, we did get responses from the, the largest companies as well as some startups, but the bulk of them were kind of right in between. Right, right, right. Yeah, continue on, which I know you have some other insights you want to share with us. I just wanted to kind of ask what the, the range was and what we would kind of share. Yeah, just a couple of other ones. I, I think um, when we started to ask 
uh, employers about um, uh, remote work options, uh, whether either hybrid or full time, you know, 67% of companies said that they currently have remote work options. And then once you get into uh, some of the dynamics about getting back to work, 82% of companies said that, you know, even after the pandemic is over, not just this year, but let's say next year and the year after pandemic is, you know, quote unquote done, maybe it's just seasonal, that they will still have remote work opportunities. Uh, a lot of companies, um, uh, at least half, it was about 54%, said that they are requiring workers to return to office full time. But about half said that, you know, their employees are going to be home, um, um, you know, at least uh, part time. One last tidbit that came out of the survey is uh, some companies are having to do so much remote work that they're able to close offices. It's not a large number, but 12% of cleared employers said that they were closing offices due to remote work and that they did not necessarily need the space that they had previously. Well, I mean, I guess that's a cost benefit. I mean, as, I, as I'm thinking about, you know, if you're increasing productivity and then you're also able to save money on uh, uh, either leasing a space or either buying a space, um, to me, it kind of sounds like it's a win-win for everybody kind of going forward in that kind of situation. Uh, 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 to me, to see that the trends is, is, in, is in the right direction of where things should be going. We've been talking about this for a long time, but, it, it, you know, I hate to have the, have the pandemic have to kind of show us the light. <laughs> about how well mm -hmm. teleworking, um, um, it, you know, is, you know, especially with people who have multiple, uh, you know, uh, 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 kind of dynamics of family and other things kind of going forward. But it seems to be a very, very healthy way in which people are taking care. Hey, you know, quick question, Evan. Are more, um, you know, the pandemic has had a number of effects, right? The teleworking is one. But of course, there's been these discussions about kind of mental health and this, that, and the other. Are some employers um, also with their benefit package also including in that dynamic to kind of make sure that people are um, mentally okay as they've been going through the pandemic and, and everything else, kind of not kind of getting into that isolation mode where there may be depression or other areas? Are you, I just wanted to know, have you heard anything about that with employers? Are they, are they looking at the mental health of their people in these scenarios? Yeah, absolutely. I think... Um... Uh, human resource teams have been um, acutely aware of the impact of working from home, um, the increased isolation, the change in interpersonal dynamics. And, you know, I, I, some of it depends on whether you're a, a type A or type B personality, but, you know, most people, um, if they are that isolated, um, it, it, it can have a, a mental health effect on them, which obviously is going to affect productivity. It's going to affect other things as well. So yeah, most companies that, that we talk to in the defense industry have um, initiated um, some type of uh, mental health counseling programs where people can get assistance, they can get um, uh, guidance. And as you know, with security clearances, that's stuff that has to be paid attention to even more closely than right. uh, the non-cleared world. So uh, it has been um, a fairly open and honest conversations that employers are having with their employees, especially in the security third world. Evan, when we, I gotta, we take, gotta take a quick break real quick, but when we come back, I wanna talk about the processing times and kind of see if there's any improvement on those areas. I also wanna kind of talk about, is there, just as you mentioned, I mean, you know, with the dynamics of uh, investigators having to look at mental health and everything else, are there any updates on the SF-86 or even just what's being asked with whether it be marijuana, 
or mental health or other areas that maybe now security investigators need to take a look at kind of going forward as the world is changing and then everything else. We gotta take a quick break. We're talking to Evan Lesser. He's a founder and director of clearancejobs.com. Again, one of the best sites out there in terms of finding uh, clear jobs. And also for those who have the security clearances, you can get on there, find jobs with government agencies, government contractors, and everything else. For those who are hiring that talent, one of the best sites to find great talent who have the clearances that you may need for your organization going forward. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be discussing clearance processing when we come back. You listen to Fed Access with Derek T. George on Federal News Network. Welcome back to Fed Access with Derek T. George on Federal News Network. If you're just joining us, we've been having a great conversation about what's going on with the clearance market right now. A lot of interesting insights are coming out right now after as we kind of go into a kind of a post-pandemic hiring environment, as we're kind of looking at the world opening back up and people getting vaccinated and people getting back to work. We're getting some insights about what we're seeing from different government contractors, whether it be DOD, DHS, or otherwise, about what they're saying. And we're finding out that many of them say, let's see, you know what, people can still work from home. We're going to be flexible with people and everything else. So there's some great news for different people who want to work in this environment, that they're the flexibility for teleworking, remote working is still going to be an option in a post-pandemic world going forward. We're talking to one of our favorite guests, Evan Lesser. He's a founder and director of clearancejobs.com, one of the top clearance sites right there for people who are finding positions that are security clearance uh, required or for those who are looking for talent that need people with security clearances going forward. You know, Evan, the security clearance process, we've always had this long conversation as, as the many years of me and you have been talking that the clearance process was about uh, 400 days. I think the last time we talked, you had some good news that it had been kind of cut down a little bit. Tell me what's going on right now. Are we getting some more good news? Is it, is it getting better out there with the security clearance processing times or are we going back to the days of the old? Sure, so, so you know that um... Uh, the security clearance process was put back in the hands of the Department of Defense, and DOD clearances make up roughly 90% of all people with clearance. So the most recent numbers from uh, the DOD show that clearance processing times are inching back up. In the past year, secret clearance processing has gone down from 132 days to 101 days, only to creep back up again recently to 132 days again. So there were a number of quarters where the timeframes were decreasing consistently, but now they're consistently climbing again over the last few quarters. So it's a similar story for top secret clearances. At the end of 2020, top secret clearance processing was right at 136 days, fairly significant decrease considering it was uh, 280 days at the beginning of last year. So the latest reports from the government show that top secret clearance processing is up from 136 days last year to 159 days as of Q2 this year. So industry is hopeful that these numbers turn around because it's currently going in, in the wrong direction. The reason for them creeping up is likely due to COVID. Uh, there's a bit of a delay in the investigations versus when the DOD reports uh, the end-to-end -end processing time. So it's understandably, you know, it was probably pretty difficult to conduct the subject matter you know, interview in person during a deadly global pandemic. You know, the DOD is still doing a pretty good job considering. And as more people get vaccinated, as the world gets back to work, and as um, investigators are able to go back and talk with individuals in person and do it safely, 
Um, I think over a number of quarters from now, maybe you know towards the end of this year, we should see clearance processing times decrease again. But as you know, Derek, you know it, it ebbs and flows. They go up, they go down, they go up, they go down. It's like the stock market; you can guarantee it, it's going to go in the other direction at some point soon. It, exactly. I, I was hope I was hoping for the opposite, Evan. I'm not surprised that it's gone back up, but I was hoping and praying for the opposite. Um, you know, I mean, the the good news before was that uh, you know the the possibility of these clearances going down was going to possibly increase the number of people who didn't have security clearances that maybe government contractors could bring on board. With them going back up, is that going to kind of curtail um, the the looking of those who don't have security clearances who could be good candidates for them to be able to kind of get a little bit more of an easier uh, process to get into the door? Are we now kind of going back? And I think you kind of mentioned it before. Are we kind of going back to where the employers are just looking for the people with clearances, because they need to get those people on board in order to get work done versus trying to hire people who don't have clearances going forward. What are we seeing? So there's a little bit of good news there. Um, you know, back in 2013, we really started to pay a very close attention on clearance jobs as to the total number of people with a DOD clearance. And in 2013, it was around 4.6 million. And then a couple of years later in 2015, it is dropped down to 3.7 million and then around 2018 it was around 3.5 million so it went down 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 year after year after year 2020 was the first year that we actually saw an increase that the government reported so in 2020 there are roughly 3.8 million people with a dod clearance and that was up from roughly 3.5 million in 2018 and you know a lot of employers started to breathe a, a sigh of relief that the total number of people with clearance went back up now keep in mind 3.8 3.8 million with people with clearance doesn't mean that there are 3.8 million people that are available for cleared work. Of the 3.8 million, roughly 1.4 million are active duty military. And as you know, those folks are fairly planted. So, you know, it's still a fairly small number. And that's why the industry pays such close attention to clearance processing and the total number of people with clearance, because when you've got so many contracts being awarded by the government that require cleared workers, and there's not enough out there, that's when you get the very you know, tightness in the marketplace, which makes it really tough to hire. You know, I've been watching and, and, and just across the board, across the whole, and, it, and this is both clear market as well as the unclear market. It just seems that the, the, the labor, there's, there's a, almost a shortage in which um, people are struggling to bring on people. People are struggling to hire and this, that, and that. I was watching, uh, I think one of the business programs just recently, and the employer was like, we got to hire 35,000 people and we're having a hard time getting you know, that number, this, that and the other. It seems that there's an abundance of jobs out there, Evan, um, kind of going forward. But it seems as if we're having a, a harder and harder times on onboarding people. Is that what you're kind of seeing just across the board of the clear market, that there's a, an abundance of positions, but we're having a very, very difficult time to bring people on board and get them started in these opportunities? Absolutely. Yeah, there's definitely a supply and demand imbalance. Um, When you've got a a short, small supply of security cleared workers and you've got new contracts being awarded almost daily that require cleared people, uh, in some cases, when you take a look at the right skills for a position, the right clearance level, and then you factor in things like location, sometimes you end up with tens of candidates that could potentially fill a, a potential position. It's just extremely, extremely tight. 
and employers um, are, are bordering on, on desperate. We are seeing quite a lot of fairly high signing bonuses and referral bonuses and, and awards for um, getting people in the door. You know, until clearance processing times are essentially cut in half from where they're at right now, employers are not going to be able to pluck someone off the street, put them through the clearance process and put them on the job. Even if they have all the right skills, most companies don't want to wait 130, 150, 160 days to get someone a clearance with no guarantees they're going to get the clearance anyway. But it, it's just a very tough and difficult market. A lot of employers um, uh, are worried because um, retention uh, of employees is difficult. Um, some of the more valuable candidates with the higher level clearances doing certain tech skills like software and cybersecurity are in such demand that you know, they can get plucked off a job and, and have a new job uh, within days. So it's really difficult. You know, I want to talk about the employers a little bit more. I know you guys did a branding study. And I want to kind of talk about the impact of branding on the hiring cycle kind of going forward, because it seems as if employers now have to begin to make sure that they brand themselves the right way to get the right kind of candidates, especially in a very, very tight market kind of going forward. We got to take a quick break. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about this when we come back. I also want to kind of talk about, Evan, what are you seeing in terms of the trends? Are we seeing an increasing in hiring in certain areas? I know we've discussed this before, but what are you seeing in terms of the survey or other areas that you're kind of seeing a, a trend of, 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 of the high need for certain workers with certain kind of skills and everything else? We got to take a quick break. We're talking to Evan Lesser. He's the founder and director of clearancejobs.com, one of the top sites out there. If you're a person with a clearance, then you need to get on that site. They've got great articles, great advice, great information, but you can find positions that are in the security clearance market for a number of employers who are looking for you and your talent and your clearance. For uh, uh, people who are hiring that talent, it's a great place because they have a, a wide pool of people who are also looking for new opportunities. So you can find your new uh, talent uh, at clearancejobs.com. We'll be right back after this break. Uh, you're listening to Fed Access with Derek T. George on Federal News Federal News Network. It's about to say Federal News Net Radio. Go back to the old days. But on Federal News Network, we'll be right back. Welcome back to Fed Access with Derek T. George on Federal News Network. If you just joined us, we've been having an interesting conversation about what's been going on with the cleared market. One of our favorite shows where we get a clearance jobs update about what's happening. One of our favorite guests, Evan Lesser, but he's a founder and director of clearancejobs.com. But we're trying to find out what's been going on kind of post-pandemic. You know, we're, we're, we're getting to a point where we're close to getting things back opened up again. And what's happening with the clearance job market going forward? You know, are there going to be changing with government contractors, with employers, who's hiring, what kind of benefits will they be offering? Some good news in terms of teleworking and remote working. Some some things will stay the same, and then there'll still be opportunities out there for cleared workers to still kind of telework and remote work if they want to as a benefit kind of going forward. You know, Evan, uh, um, you know, we just kind of talked about the, the, the toughness, right, of this market right now for employers to really kind of find uh, good workers, right? Whether it be clear workers, this, that, and the other, across the board, employers are having a hard time hiring people. Um, what are they doing, especially in the clear market, what are they doing to brand themselves correctly? And how, and how is that impacting the hiring cycle kind of going forward? Sure, so, you know, we we are clearance jobs. We, we've always known that, that branding uh, is important, but, we recently decided to do a much deeper dive into employer branding to try to figure out um, how it directly affects hiring. And we came out with a lot of interesting research. And I thought I'd share it with you today so some of the uh, people listening 
who are uh, either involved in hiring or um, uh, you know, note that that kind of stuff's important can, can take the information back. So one of the interesting things we, we noted is that you know, if a candidate finds an interesting job, the question is, what's the process look like? Okay, they found an interesting job. What happens between them identifying the job and actually applying for it? And it turns out that the, the first thing that a, a candidate will do when they find an interesting job is to research the company. In fact, 93% of candidates spend at least 10 minutes researching a prospective employer's brand. And almost 60% of candidates spend a half an hour or more researching a prospective employer's brand. So that kind of thing really shows that candidates are not just going to see a job and automatically apply for it. There's a decision-making process that they have to go through. That decision-making process uh, involves a lot of factors. And uh, one of those factors is the reputation of a company, whether it be large or medium or small. Almost 70% of candidates will actually reject a prospective employer if they have a bad reputation. And candidates are getting online to read reviews about a company, just like they read reviews of a, of a certain product that they may be interested in buying. They read online reviews about employers, and 80% of candidates actually rely on those online reviews. So that was one interesting thing that we, um, we pulled out. Most candidates, 95%, identified a company's reputation as being just absolutely critical when they explore a new career opportunity. So a couple you know, of other know, interesting. Let me jump in there. Let me jump in. Let me jump in on that real quick, Evan. Um, you know, I've noticed that a little bit, right, on sites like Glassdoor and other places that you know you have a number of candidates who are writing, um, some you know sometimes great reviews, but sometimes very very scathing reviews about a number of different employers. And so uh, what you're kind of saying is that people are like you know how people go on Yelp and other sites or the Google reviews or whatever the case is more and more candidates are beginning to rely on those reviews and then make a decision on whether they want to go to that. Uh, 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 it's almost like a relationship, right? They kind of try to figure out, is this going to be a good relationship for me? And you're saying that more and more candidates are beginning to do that going forward. That, that's correct. And, and keep in mind that, you know, an employer's brand, a company's brand, they can manage it, but they can't completely control it. You know, right. a brand has a lot of different uh, different facets, and some of those are under an employer's control, some are not. So you've got, you know, work-life balance. That's pretty much underneath an employer's control. Um, you know, any accolades or awards they've won, you know, company culture, benefits, the speed of change, uh, diversity and inclusion, you know, growth opportunities, corporate leadership, all that stuff creates an employer's brand. And that stuff can be managed. The stuff that can't be controlled are reputation and rankings and employee reviews. So it's really important for an employer to do all the work they can to try to um, uh, manage their brand. That way, when they get reviews and rankings, um, their reputation you know, can kind of hold up under scrutiny. One other interesting tidbit is that we didn't also, uh, we didn't just take a look at branding from the candidate's perspective or job seeker's perspective. We looked at it directly from the employer's perspective around hiring. And we found out that if a company has effective branding, it can actually result in a one to two times reduction in the time to hire. It can also uh, result in a 50% reduction in cost per hire. So you think about this, when a candidate is looking at a company, 
you know, they're going to see, do you have any jobs that are, are good for me? But then they determine, am I going to fit at this company? And some of the main things that the candidate asks themselves are around culture, reputation, compensation, and advancements. They ask, am I going to fit in at this company? Um, is this company legitimate? Am I going to be paid fairly at this company? And will I grow at this company? And when they do all the research to answer those questions, that's where they're going to really understand about whether they are a good fit for that company. Just because they have the right skills doesn't mean that they are a good fit. So if a company has really effective branding and it really lets candidates know who is this company, what do they stand for, what do they do, what it's going to be like to work there, what are the growth opportunities, what's the management like, if they can get all that stuff out, it actually will reduce the time to hire and reduce the cost to hire. You know, Evan, when, when we think about that and we think about kind of branding, um, and, and I don't know if this came out in your survey or not, um, and, and in areas where employers have control, is, is it, um, is it uh, uh, the great website, is it the look, or is it about the programs that the employer is doing? Like, you know, we hear about diversity and inclusion more and more. Um, you know, our, our employers who are doing great diversity and inclusion programs or, you know, like you mentioned, great teleworking programs. Um, are those things that are being advertised on their website, um, are those are the things that are grabbing uh, possible candidates' attention more and more and really helping that brand become a lot more stronger uh, for a number of different employers? What are some of the key attributes? So, yeah, it's a little bit of a, um, of a generalization, but the younger um, audience, Gen Z to millennials, tend to focus on culture and reputation. And for culture, the kind of things that a company can include on its website and, and work to project out there are things like, as you mentioned, diversity and inclusion and speed of change at the company and the business ethics. What's the work-life balance like? You know, what's the office and workplace like? What's their corporate philosophy? That kind of stuff definitely appeals to younger audience as well as reputation. Younger candidates wanna know if the company's legitimate. So they're gonna go out and look for reviews rankings. Um, companies can't showcase awards and recognition. They can talk about their financials to help um, improve their reputation. They can put out press releases and talk about their senior leadership. So that's the younger side. For Gen X to baby boomers, the older side of the audience, they're more focused on compensation and advancement. Compensation being, am I going to get paid fairly? And the kind of things employers can talk about are um, how their salaries stack up against other companies, uh, benefits, profit sharing, retirement, perks, and reimbursements, and then advancement. You know, older candidates tend to ask, am I going to be able to grow at this company? So you want to talk about, as an employer, professional development, um, career growth, the company outlook. Um, perhaps if you're looking at technology companies uh, or technology employees to look at your tech stack and, and showcase what are the tools and, and things you use. So it really depends on the audience. And some of that is generalized, but if companies focus on culture, reputation, compensation, and advancement, they're going to kind of cover the whole wide range of things that candidates are interested in when they're shopping for a new company. You know, Evan, when, when we're looking at the dynamics of, of these different generations right now, um, are, are we seeing, you know, you know, at one point in time, uh, longevity at an organization was so paramount, so important. That kind of changed, you know, recently where people can kind of hop around and be okay and kind of move around maybe every uh, year or so and not be damaged by that. 
where are we right now? Is that still the case that, uh, uh, especially for the new generation, can they jump around from employer to employer and still be seen as a good candidate? Or is the mindset changing right now uh, with recruiters and, and, and companies? Yeah, so candidates definitely are jumping around. And in fact, the younger candidates are much more likely to um, uh, to leave. Now, whether longevity is something that's of importance to them uh, definitely depends on the person. Longevity tends to skew older. Um, Gen X to, to baby boomers are, are more interested in, in job security. Younger candidates um, in general are more likely to move around and they're not nearly as interested in job security as much as they are interested in Am I working for a good company? Um, do they hold the same values that I do? Um, you know, am I going to fit in this company? What's interesting is that when you take a look at employer branding, it's not just to attract new candidates. It's actually to retain existing candidates. So when an employer gets their brand out there and they're very effective at it, they can not only get 50% more qualified applicants, but they can reduce employee turnover by 28%. So it's really important that companies consider this branding. And it's not just recruitment branding, but it's just company branding in general. There's a little bit of a uh, kind of a misnomer that all these certain types of companies need employer branding, like maybe a small company that no one's ever heard of is the only company that needs employer branding. But it turns out that every employer from large to medium to small, direct hire, staffing and recruiting, everybody should be focused on branding because if they ask themselves very particular questions like, does my company care about its reputation? Um, does my company want to build trust with security cleared workers? Does my company want to gain visibility over other employers? Um, does my company want to get more referrals? Does my company want to hire the best fitting candidates? You know, if a company answers yes to any of those questions, then they need employer branding. Without question. Evan, we're running against the clock, but but real quick, what are we seeing in terms of um, uh, the, the dynamic of the, the trends where, uh, uh, is it cyber? Is it Intel? Is it financial careers? What are we seeing as some of the most popular areas that people need people right now? So it's a pretty wide range uh, as normal, but you know, clearance jobs tends to skew towards what the industry needs. And what the industry needs right now is software engineers and um, cybersecurity. Those are really the two largest categories um, as well as hardware. If you look at software, security and hardware, that makes up about 30% of all jobs posted on the clearance jobs platform. So IT continues to be uh, super, super hot. If anyone who uh, is young listening to this program wants to get into a good national security career, Having tech skills is the easiest way to do it. Well, as always, Evan, you have always provided some great insight. You know, we're going to catch up with you in a couple of months to kind of find out what's going on as we kind of get past the summer months and everything else. Hey, listen, enjoy your summer. <laughs> Be careful out there. And we will catch up very, very soon. Thank you so much for your insights today, Evan. As usual, we appreciate you. Take care, Derek. Good to talk with you. We'll be back next week with a new show. So take care, everybody. We'll talk to you guys soon. You've been listening to Fed Access with Derek T. Dorch on Federal News Network. Tune in Monday afternoons at 1 or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One.